0: Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective-type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Having grown up in the spotlight, picking up a guitar and learning to play along with some of his favorite blues albums at the age of three, Nathan Cavalleri had mastered the electric guitar by the age of five, and ticked off his first official gig a year later. Amongst a devastating leukemia diagnosis and a burgeoning profile as some of Australian music industry royals flocked to his skills and story, Nathan was soon performing extensively around the country alongside the likes of Jimmy Barnes and Diesel, going on to tour globally alongside Etta James, Bonnie Raitt and B.B. King while still receiving treatment for leukemia. Simultaneously forging his long-term resilience and pursuit for purpose, Cavalieri would receive a clean bill of health at the age of 13 before going on to sign to Michael Jackson's MJJ Records after a competitive bidding war between both Prince and Madonna. Nathan released two albums as a solo artist, Jamming with the Cats in 1993 and Nathan in 1994. He has been a member of various groups including Dirty Skanks from 2003 to 2010, and Nat Cole and the Kings, 2010 to 2012. Nathan is currently releasing music as a solo artist, with his latest offering, Miracles, having been recently released. Up next on Slepsavant, we've got Nathan Cavallari. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life?
1: Yeah, right now I'm in Sydney, Australia, and I'm approaching the end of, uh, well, the first part of the the tour of my latest album, Miracles. And this will be the second album that I've released under my name since I was a kid. And that's when I was signed to Michael Jackson's label. And that's where most people in Australia and America know me for the work that I've done back then as a kid right up until I was about 14 or 15. And then uh, life happened between then and now. And uh, yeah, this will be my second album uh, yeah, since returning. You've
0: mentioned some of your history and background.
1: So let's rewind. I know it's a number of
0: years in the entertainment industry. So the hybrid journey, you mentioned as a kid, you were signed to Michael Jake Jackson's label. And how did that progress to where we are currently?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it rewinded a little bit further back. I, hmm. uh, I couldn't have engineered the career that I had at all. I was um, madly in love with the guitar from a very young age. My relationship with guitar deepened when I got sick as a kid. So I was sick with leukemia at about oh. six or seven years old, and um, the Starlight Foundation, who grants wishes to battling kids, granted me a wish to meet Mark Knopfler uh, from oh, Dire wow. Straits. So yeah, they yeah. flew me to me and my family when I was seven years old to jam with him uh, in in the UK, and the media followed that, and and then I became, I suppose, quite a regular on primetime TV. And that's how I got signed my first record deal, which was via, um, one of the biggest rock singers we've got here in Australia, Jimmy Barnes. Yeah. And I went on tour with, with him and, uh, one of my other idols, Diesel around, um, Australia for about five weeks. So I was about 10 years old then. And that's when I met my, uh, who later became my manager that brought me to the States. And that's when I, I went on to play with some of the most amazing blues musicians. You know, I was at that time, I was all pretty straight-up blues. Yep. And, you know, from Albert Collins to um, Robin Ford, um, B.B. King, I toured with B.B. King for a fair while, and and that was all around about the time that I was signed to Michael Jackson's label. So onwards from there, I, uh, you know, I think probably the biggest career highlight was when B.B. King asked me to perform for him uh, and the the Clintons when they were in office, and that was um, when he was accepting his Kennedy Award. Yeah and I think after that you know there were a series of life thing circumstances that happened that m- made myself and my parents go I think we need to kind of take a bit bit of a break and just you know and and they were like oh, we want to give you more space to be able to d- to make a decision on what you w- want to do moving forward you know they always gave me a way out there was there was never any push there um but So how old got, were you at this time sorry to interrupt tell At you? that time I was between about 13 14 and then, so I spent the later part of my teenage years just going to school and, and, uh, I continued to sort of write music, but I, I felt uh, it was, they were awkward years. They were awkward years when it comes to identity and, uh, even just being a little uncomfortable yeah. being in the spotlight, I I felt really uncomfortable. So I spent a good portion of that time in my twenties looking at just other ways that I wanted to spend my time. You know, I was in construction for a while. Yeah. I, um, I continued to write music uh and produce. I learned a lot of my um production during that time and then got into screen composing um for for a fair while and I had a, a couple of bands going on, you know, just to try and experiment. I didn't use my name. Uh and I suppose those bands, um, particularly Nat Cole and the Kings, which was a really heavy blues energetic blues rock band, um, with a drummer from a band we've got here called The Screaming Jets and Um, we did a lot of touring and I, until I burnt out, I burnt out so badly that I, I couldn't even step foot into a, into a a venue or do anything. I was, -hmm. I was a carcass for quite a while. And, um, and during that time, I just, I had to do a lot of work on myself. I had to do Mm -hmm. a lot of work on my mind and my body and, and, and get back to, you know, what's real and, uh, face some fears and, you know, and and unhealthy beliefs that kept me closed Mm. down for a long time until I got to that place where I'm like, you know what, I think I want to get back out there, but under my own name Mm. with these songs that I had that were an expression of what I was going through at that time. And that's the way that I've been writing since. So
0: as a kid, you mentioned you were on television. So was that uh, performing music wise or was that acting?
1: Uh, that was music. Yeah. So I was, when I was on TV, I was always performing. So, and you know, at the time, you know, for a good 12 plus years, uh, there was, we have a variety. We used to have a variety show that was really popular in the eighties and nineties called Hey Hey, Hate Saturday. And, you know, they really provided a home for me, a stage to be able to go out into the world, experience, come back. And they'd always, they'd always want to hear about it. I play my latest single and we talk about those stories and, and, uh, and I really grew up on TV. I did some, a bit of acting. You know, my, my parents, uh, I was always really lucky that they, they were there right by my side to make sure that any decisions were, that were made were, were ones that would be maintaining or at least helping me, uh, with credibility. But then I always joke and I say, well, why did you let me act for? (laughs) <laughs> where were you then <laughs> So, but you know it's all in finding finding the self and what you want to do and what you're good yeah. at and, and stuff but i i did have a lot of fun acting i mean an interesting fun fact is that the first movie i was ever in which i played a small but significant role in, mm-hmm. a, in a movie called camp nowhere uh the um one of the actors that played a much smaller part than me was jessica alba ah uh, yes of course yes another movie that I did that I was the lead in um, we had a a guy come in for a tiny little part and that was Heath Ledger.
0: <laughs> oh wow.
1: Yeah so but they're, they're all good memories yeah.
0: So have you ever thought about reigniting that acting?
1: No I, I do like it you know yeah. I think I put myself down more than what I should and uh, the, the world hasn't kind of steered me in that direction yet. Okay. Uh, I I believe in kind of collaborating with the world and 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 rather than trying to force anything and um not that you know you you need to work hard but yes yes the life life gives you signals and i don't those signals haven't happened yet there's but there's there's this little desire that i think it'd be fun to just play a small part in a in a movie and and do that stuff here and there i i um really enjoyed it i really did yeah
0: so you mentioned you've been in a lot of bands over the years and more sort of um, in the productional background side. What's the mm-hmm. difference between creating music as part of that compared to creating music for yourself in your name as a solo artist?
1: My music that I put out there, uh, is an expression of my experiences or versions of, or things that I've observed that I am really passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. it comes generally from a much deeper place. When I make that, that, that music, I am, um, I'm satisfying myself. Okay. You know, or at least comes from that place. And, and I still kind of think of it in terms of, all right, well, how will my audience How will this be received? Yes. Not because I'm doing it uh, primarily for them. That's probably a secondary, but it has to come from a place of here. You know, I have to be able to, for it to truly resonate on the inside for for Mm. it to even be entertained, you know, in getting out there. Uh, When I make music for other people, I am trying to get into their psyche. Okay. You know, I want to understand what it is that make them tick. You know what are they trying to say? You know this is not my story. This is their story. I mm. am their hands. I'm the, I'm I'm a labourer for them, and I love playing that role as well. Like how can I, uh, whether whether I am screen composing for you know um whatever, whether it's uh um the TV or the ad or or whatever, is uh, what can I do to be to help create this vision yeah. and crystallize it, um, and it's not personal, yeah. uh, which is why it's probably not as much torture involved
0: <laughs> yeah. because when you're yeah. doing your own self uh, writing it's it's very much self reflection and digging oh, deep oh yeah
1: <laughs> looking totally. in the mirror and, you, and, <laughs> and sometimes you're yeah you're at war with yourself on it as well because you you're battling with different parts of the brain you got like you're battling with your heart but then you're also you know dealing with the the more sort of logistical side of sounds and that you got to deal with the perfectionist and whatever thing yeah. things you there you've got to they've got to all somehow work it out and yeah. so you, you really are. and I've what i found was really helpful is I actually streamed the whole creation process of my last album okay and like everything from from most of the writing to the recording to the mixing uh everything I just I just I hit stream every time I was in the studio and I streamed on a platform called twitch yeah and I I have an amazing audience on there and and it's such a great community and the reason why that helped is because uh they helped me with perspective you know like it, sometimes you lose perspective in the creative process okay. which is why outside ears are really important and many times throughout the creative process I would lose perspective and it would take those who are watching me on Twitch who I can read their comments and stuff like that go dude you've lost the heart because you've done 50 takes, take a fucking break. You know what I mean? Like whatever <laughs> yes. it is, okay. take three sounded amazing. And then when you've got like one person saying that you go, yeah, whatever. But when you've got like 20 people going, that's the take, you got to mm. listen, You got to listen to them. Um, and, and, you know, and you'll know it because, you know, you'll take you step away and then two days later, you'll come back with fresh ears and you're like, they're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <They're, laughs> right so i found Wait, it so also- when they were
0: initially saying that to you did you think mm. um did you disagree at initially and then having yeah. to have, step away that allowed you to agree with them
1: well yeah like i i've been around long enough to know that if 20 people are shouting the same thing at me that i probably got to treat that seriously even though i disagree with it in my okay. head i would go no nah. but then i also know that there's like different, almost like different characters within yourself are driving your reactions. So it, was it the perfectionist that's saying, I disagree with you? Or is it my actual creative heart that's saying, yes. okay. I'm disagreeing with you? And when I'm that lost, I don't know. So then that's when you just go, 20 people are saying this. All right. I got to take a break. That's the take for now. I will check it to make sure, say tomorrow with fresh okay. ears and, 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 and they've, they've, they've been right, you know, occasionally. There would be something I cannot let go of, and uh, and and you know, and then I know my heart is saying it, and that's that's where bravery and courage comes in. Is yeah. that you make that decision despite what everybody's saying to you? So they're saying the opposite. You got to you got to follow your heart. You know.
0: Are you still doing a screen composition and producing for other artists as well at the moment? Balancing not so drinks? much
1: now. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I still do the occasional screen composition job, but uh and uh i really enjoy that and you know financially that helps to balance things out because you know music can be you know yeah. up and down on the touring and the recording side so um yeah i've taken definitely a step back with um producing sort of uh, local artists and stuff and it's something i I will get back into later but right now i'm definitely focused on just um reconnecting with yeah you know, audiences around australia actually the world to be honest it's um i'm very much interested in Trying to find out where where those communities are around the world that most align with what I'm trying to do. You know, yeah. I remember listening to a to a an industry professional talk at uh, uh, a festival we had here, and he I really loved the way that he explained it. Is like our our job, especially if you're in if you're marketing music, is how do you bring your creations and get them in front of the people it most aligns with. You know, and oh, okay. and the digital world is now a worldwide market. It's yeah. not like what, I was a, a, a an artist in the 90s. We mm. didn't have that luxury. You know, everything had to be. It was local. It was geographically restricted. And if you wanted to be heard in Germany or America or whatever, you needed a, a certain industry um, structures in place so that you were heard there and that took a serious amount of financial investment and people believing in you and and it was hard you know but now you've got this beautiful big world that you have Mm. access to now the research is in all right where where are my people where are the people you know and and, and just put yourself out there and, and see what happens
0: so you've referenced the digital and how it's allowed for access to various countries Diving a little bit deep into this topic. So I love me a CD. I still budget for a CD every month. I like that aesthetic of holding something, the pictures. Yeah. Me. It's a thank you to you guys for all the hard work. It's a journey yeah. to say, oh, lovely, I'm going to choose this CD this month and getting it delivered, the excitement of opening yeah. it, and so on and so forth. We've got the digital as well, as you referenced. I'm not sure if you're aware that CDs, vinyls, and cassettes are all making a huge comeback. For example, last yeah. year alone, CDs had the first growth in 21 years. And vinyl sold, yeah, vinyl sold 5.5 million alone in the UK, the biggest since 1990. Besides the geographical advantage of digital, what Mm. you've already mentioned, what are your perceptions of both? Do you prefer either or let's unpack it?
1: Yeah, I definitely prefer the, or I would say the experience of CD and vinyl is more fulfilling to me and allows the music to do its job just that little bit more because of the rituals around it. It's not so much because it's an actual CD. Like I don't care whether it's, you know, I'm spinning music from a dinner plate or a, you know, whatever, like it's it doesn't matter. Um as long as I'm hearing it, I love the artwork. I love the artwork and just opening something up, right? But I feel like it's the ritual the rituals and uh that that come with vinyl and CDs that probably just give music just that little bit more of a chance and more meaning because you have to make choices. Yes. You know like you you have to go all right, what's the CD I'm going to get today? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and so I remember growing up going I know this person has got a CD this band's got a, a CD coming out. I remember when it is and I'd have to make sure that I'm there at the music store to make sure I get it before it's sold out. Otherwise I've got to wait for it to, to, you know, for them to stop it. Right. So (laughs) there's this anticipation. Now you're on this, it's, it's almost like foreplay, you know, like it's anticipation. And then I get down there and I I get the victory. Right. Fantastic. Now I haven't heard it yet. Right. But the thing is, is that because of the effort that I put into, you know, getting this CD, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm not going to just next my way through every song, Mm. you know, Mm. the first four bars and go to the next one and the next one. I'm like, I'm going to make sure I milk it as much as possible. If this song is not doing it for me straight away, I'll listen to it again. I'll listen to it tomorrow. I'll give it a chance. I'll go through to the last song on the album, you know, you know, and that's how a lot of slow burn songs, I feel like they, they disappear these days no, because yeah. people don't yeah. give it a chance. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I liked the, the general experience. Um, as far as like uh d- discovering new music mm. discoverability has never been better you know uh today that's and that's huge that's huge uh i if i needed to find new music back in the day i mean I, it would be through reading articles in the local street press word of mouth it was definitely not browsing at a cd store but you know um maybe a little bit uh but discoverability is incredible now and f- worldwide music right access to it so I feel like, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons uh, to, to both. I think as an artist, it's uh, I personally like it better now because it makes it a bit easy to find my audience. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, Michael Jackson's label were like, we feel like there's a market for you in South Korea. Okay, cool. So they send me over to South Korea. They they They've got distributors there, you know, all that type of stuff. I do a bunch of gigs and everything. And, uh, okay, so South Korea. Now I'm in the South Korean market. Things didn't work out. The numbers didn't work out in terms of sales. Off the shelves, straight away. There's only a small amount of time. They go, all right. Now, I at that point, I could no longer be heard in South Korea. Gone. Right? You know, that's, like. Yeah,
0: that's just weird. <laughs> and that's the way that it was.
1: That's the way that it was in the 90s. It's like yeah. any country that would give you a chance And if you didn't sell, well, they're not going to invest in, 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 in stocking the product anymore, Mm. you know? And and then, and then you're gone. So, uh, so now I spend my $10 or whatever it is a year to to have me up on Spotify Mm. uh, worldwide. And that's also why songs are getting first, second, third, fourth, fifth lives because they're always out there. Their discoverability is huge. And, you know, maybe like I have so many artist friends when they released an album, it did nothing. And then in two years time, it just went boom, (laughs) you know, just because something happened on social media in relation to one of their songs, Yes. some sort of community has discovered it via the, uh, the algorithms of Spotify. And then, you know, it's worked out. So, you know, it's there's pros and cons to both, both, but I'm I'm very much enjoying it. Yeah. But you know, if you like the CD experience, you do the CD thing, <laughs> discover it online, buy the CD.
0: So I, I use both. I mean, I've got Spotify, mm. um, simply for the fact is I teach spinning classes and I have, I've created playlists for that. So I've got my right. Spotify for that. And then I yeah. buy the CDs. <laughs> yeah. Side. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's where it's at. Yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah. It, at the end of the day, like it's the internet really for me is a, is a fantastic marketing tool. You know, and, and then, yeah, you, you make the choice on how you want to, how you want to listen to your music. You know, the one thing I do miss a lot, and it's something I'm working on in my house. I really enjoyed growing up with a designated music listening area that was just for that. Like mm-hmm. our, uh, audio entertainment now is tied in with screens. I don't like that. Mm. You know, when my kids, and, and this has become evident now since I had kids, cause I'm like, wow. They don't have, there's not like this line between, oh, music and visual because they just see it as, oh, well, I'm listening to something, I want to see it as well. Why is the screen black when you're playing this? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, it was like the TV is over here, the yeah. hi-fi system is over there. Yeah. You know, it's music time over there, and yeah. I really love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about a little bit more about the new album. Miracles. Yes. that A good part of that came out of COVID just like, 20 million other artists um i think <laughs> yes um miracles i suppose in a funny sort of way is an evolution from uh, demons my previous album if demons was more you know it was probably a little bit more introverted um and uh understated it was me definitely dipping my toe in the water to see whether i had the capacity to tour and do this you know again after burning out uh it was also a time of self discovery and and learning about uh myself and that's kind of reflected in in my approach to the production not that I listen to the production and go oh you, you could have done that better but just mm. more just probably a little bit more tentative and restrained and 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 the sentiments of the song uh some of the songs were like that as well and uh but miracles was about all right enough self discovery now it's time for action and leaping and trusting yourself and backing yourself and so that was the space in which miracles came about and i would say that being truthful like brutally honest with myself in what i want to do what i want to create what i want to express was literally my my anchor that's what i wanted uh to create and and being yeah being really heavy handed with it and brave, (laughs) uh, which was hard because I had to, I had to really face the things that were holding me back throughout that process. So, you know, all of the, the songs that are on there, are, yeah, as I've mentioned expressions of my, some of my experiences and we've got everything in there from like, you know, some, there's some pretty tender, tender songs like gone to God, uh, which is kind of me making sense of mortality. Mm. Um, and and in a childlike wonderment way, there is, um, you know, go quietly is, is about, you know, experiences that I had when I was in that deep and dark place where I became quite sensitive to other people's happiness and I felt abandoned. Um, You know, there's a, a song called my boys, which is uh having, you know, being a dad now is that experience of when their first day of school, you know, when you, when you send them off into the into the big world, and and you really got to surrender that, and you you to it with some sort of trust and hope that they're going to be accepted for the boys that they are, and then I got some you know bangers that are like miracles itself. That's a you know that's that's an absolute banger, <laughs> and comfort zones and there's a lot of tug and cheek and and uh you know it's kind of in some way it's rooted in the blues. Like you can still hear the blues roots in this album, but it ventures definitely beyond like into the world of rock and alternative rock. And, and um, yeah, I'm really, really, really proud of it. I can hear how deep I went with it. And I, I do have to give a, um a special thanks to Andrew Sheps. I don't know if you know him, um, but Andrew Sheps is the mix engineer that's responsible okay. for uh anything from chili peppers to Lana oh, Del Rey. Okay. Yes. You know, Michael Jackson, like a lot of amazing artists and he, he encouraged me to mix it. Uh, everybody encouraged me to mix it. I mean, that's, that is what I, what I do, but I, I was always quite hesitant to mix my own stuff because I was not, uh, convinced that I would, uh, be able to stay anchored and not lose myself in perfectionism. Okay. And he was like, I will oversee it for you, you know, which is, I couldn't have, like he's an idol, like he's one of my mixed idols and he, for him to take take the time and just go send me your mixes and I'll just give you some little notes uh here and there and uh and that's also I think when you have a backstop like that it's like you you've got something now to push up against to be brave and yes. you don't mm-hmm. you know have to kind of go oh I've got to reel myself in you go all right well he's going to tell me to stop I'm just going to keep pushing I'm going to go hard he's going to be the one to go all right all right pull it back So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's miracles. And we've been touring it now since, uh, since March. And how's the tour going? Tour is great. This is the first year that I felt at home on the road. Uh, you know, it's been a process over the last three or four years to find, um, home. Like I would, I would, I would have some pretty hardcore psychological issues. The Mm. days of gigs, even being away on tour in itself, uh, was really difficult. But, you know, over those few years, I, I got to a place where I could trust myself, but I wasn't fully open. I was still experiencing things with the, you know, the psychological guard, you know, I was still mm. kind of hesitant and everything. And this year I just went, fuck living like this. I'm just going to lo- just fully immerse myself to the touring experience. Yeah. If I fall flat on my face, like I have in the past, I will deal with it. And I'm glad I approached it like that because I've just felt so, so free this oh, year. And the crowds, they they are beaming like they, it's, I I will say that it, it seems to be translating in all the ways that I, I hoped and more.
0: I love this game. I know if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, two years, two hours, I know your answer will be different every single time because okay. there are millions of them. And I recognize right. that and I understand that. If you right. had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we finish this conversation, what would those yeah. five songs be in by whom?
1: Well, it, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm going to rattle off the first that come to mind. So that's I'm exactly go, it. Yes, I'm going to go "Bad Moon Rising," Creedence Clearwater. I'm going to go. I'm going to go "Pretty Noose" by Soundgarden. I am going to go. I'm probably going to go um, "Brothers in Arms," Dire Straits. Yep. What's that? That's three, right? Yeah, two more. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Diesel has a song that changed my life and showed me what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called Man Alive. It's off um, uh, one of the biggest albums that he's had, Hep Fidelity. Okay. Um, and that's the one that I supported uh, him and Jimmy on when I was a kid. And uh, maybe the last one, I'm probably going to say, I'm going to be completely cliche and probably go, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nirvana. Yeah, but it will change. Dramatically. Yeah, that's the
0: thing. That's what I yeah. love about this game because every time yeah. you get asked, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. these five. Two minutes later, okay, those yeah, five. Yeah, that's why. No, it's so- that's right.
1: Yeah, and you know what? If you you've worded it great, because there would have been too much pressure to have to go. What's your top five songs? Yeah. Like, Shh, I yeah. can't answer that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. In the
1: mood that I'm in right now, that's what would. uh That's what I'd be playing. You know, oh, yeah, cool. quite a contrast cool yeah. when I think about it. <laughs> So the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Uh, the final message I would like to say is um, if you're doing anything creative, well, actually probably any decisions that you make throughout the career, always hold on to the reasons why you are doing it. That original reason for mm-hmm. why are you are doing it? Where that spark is? What made you kind of just go, boom, you know, this is what I want to do, right? When you hold on to that, you've got access to the, your internal compass. Uh, when you forget that, you don't. And what happens when you're moving through your career, you're going to get people pushing you this way, that way, expressing whatever opinions, invited, uninvited. If you don't have access to that thing inside yourself to pair up all that information, you'll risk losing yourself. And so many artists, so many people lose themselves because of that. Um, so keep bringing it back to here. And, uh, and you'll be able to navigate much better um, throughout this crazy, crazy world and <laughs> overly opinionated one. <laughs>